welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. This is the Thursday deep dive. Sorry for the uh, hesitation there. We're recording on a different day, so our schedules are all messed up. But we're talking Evolution Gaming today. I'm here with Ian Gray and Ryan Henderson, as always. Um, guys, how are we doing? Ian, you're heading out of spring break. Exciting to get away from us for a little while, uh, get to the sun. Yeah. yeah, for sure. We've been been up in the cold for too long and starting to need to uh, warm up our bones a little bit. So I'm going to go try and find some sunshine. All right. And we're going to be talking uh, Evolution Gaming. But before we do, Ryan, do you want to talk about 7invest or should I? Sure. I mean, they, they still haven't announced that seventh member yet. Haven't they still they? haven't. We're waiting in high anticipation. And we're actually, you when, we, when this comes out, it'll be right after the new March picks. So perfect time to sign up. You get $10 off with our code CCM. So it's only seven bucks to try it out. You can see all their historical picks. Um, I don't know. Seven picks for $7 seems really smart to me. Yeah, I mean, they they crush the market, so they do they do uh they do a heck of a lot better than uh than we have, but you know yeah. All right, should we get this thing started? It's code yeah. CCM. Uh, but yeah, I'll talk about Evolution Gaming Group. Uh, and if I'm not clear on sort of how the business works, just let me know. But basically, they develop and then they license live casino solutions to gaming operators. So. Um, they have these studios, I, I guess there's two components to the business. They have sort of the more traditional games and then they have the live casino solution, which is more, think about like the Peloton studios, um, how there's like those people that are actually riding the bike and they're doing all the production part and then it's getting streamed to all these different people. That's kind of what the live casino solution is like. Um, and so, but evolution gaming is selling to operators like. DraftKings, Hard Rock Casino, Poker Stars, Penn, um, and those co- those companies are the ones that actually interface with the customer. So they're the ones that actually uh, have the connection to the end user. Evolution Gaming Group is just licensing out their service. I guess you could call it. I mean, it's not necessarily software exactly. It's, it's kind half, of half it's like a full on casino solution. Um, and so the live casino solution, it's like if you logged in you would get a real dealer dealing real cards, but there's infinite seats essentially at each table. I'm not sure if it's actually infinite seats, but there's more than like five people at a table. Whereas a traditional casino, you only have so many seats, the seats are digital. So um, you can kind of get a lot more bang for your buck on each table. Um, And then it's actually kind of cool to watch. So you can go to YouTube and watch sort of how this works. Um, But the debts, the bets are digital. Uh, the, the dealers are real people and it's basically in this large studio that they have set up all over the world. They have a bunch of different studios, um, and there's just a bunch of different tables and they're dealing it and it's getting essentially live streamed. Um, and then the operators use an API to sort of embed that live stream into their, uh, gameplay. Am I, does that kind of all make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Okay. And then some of the games they have include slots, mega ball, live roulette, live poker, live blackjack, 
Monopoly Live, which I think that is their proprietary game. So that's one that they have that other uh, gaming developers game don't. They came up with. Yeah. Right. And then they have like Deal or No Deal. They have, I believe, more than 40 games. And they probably do now with, they just acquired NetEnt, who is the big uh, slots provider for, I think, more than $2 billion. So they are the biggest um, casino solution provider uh, in the world. Uh, I think uh, I will. Uh, well, we'll get to the industry, but I think that is we have one that's bigger, but in uh, revenue, yeah, market cap. I think evolution is the biggest, but okay. And then uh, history: Jens von Barr uh, first founded Evolution in 2006. His, I think there was actually a co-founder involved there as well, so I might be missing him. Um, but the goal was to revolutionize the European live dealer platform. And mobile gaming wasn't actually introduced until 2012, but I think mobile gaming now makes up more than 65% of their revenue. Um, and they went public on the NASDAQ uh, in Stockholm in 2015. There was like a different type of exchange they went public on. And then they also listed on NASDAQ Nordic in 2017. Um, and they're actually headquartered in Latvia. Um, and nice. they employ about 9,500 people. Those are included in all the studios across Europe and America. I guess, oh, how they make money. So they typically have three-year contracts with the casino operators, but then they also have a 10% take rate on however much the casino makes off the gambler. So if, uh, by the way, there's a really good report out from Alta Fox Capital. They bought it and uh, did like a whole nine-pager on it. And so they go into depth on it. So if the casino takes ends up taking ten dollars from the gambler by the end of the night uh evolution gets that one dollar kickback but if the casino loses money to the gambler evolution doesn't lose any money that's just the loss for the casino right so, yeah that makes sense kind of favorable economics there but do you want to get into the industry landscape? yeah so competitors are going to be mainly in europe we're not seeing many u.s competitors out there there's a lot of you know up and coming um, consumer-facing brands, but on the technology side, it's really a lot of European companies. There's Betson AB in Europe. They have almost a billion dollars in sales from what I saw. There's Leo Vegas, who is a lot smaller. All three of these companies are listed in Sweden, I believe, but I guess uh, Evolution is actually based in Latvia. Uh, Playtech has a $1 billion market cap and is actually supposed to be more sales than E-Evolution Gaming in 2020, I believe. Let me confirm your earnings numbers. Yeah. Because it's supposed to do more than a billion in uh, sales, but it actually has a way lot smaller market cap of only one billion versus what is Evolution at about twenty eight billion enterprise value. Uh, Bet Construct is another competitor that's UK based that provides some software as well. They do about six hundred million dollars in sales, uh, so you can see it's not a small market. There's quite a few, you know, there's a lot of dollars flowing around this, especially in Europe. Uh, the global online gaming market is valued at about $54 billion. I believe that was in 2019, and it's expected to grow at a 10% kegger over the next, I think it was like seven years. You got to take those studies with a grain of salt, but you can see that, you know, the U.S. is probably a big growth driver. European is more mature. They kind of have more, um, I mean, if, you kind of, if you're a U.S. investor, um, you probably know that it's more of a black market you know, or at least, you know, the last few decades, it's kind of been a black market online and offline stuff uh, outside of, you know, Vegas and um, Atlantic City, but now everything's getting more legalized. So that's going to be a big tailwind for the industry. Um, legalized sports betting seems to be hitting an inflection point in the U.S. You know, will there be a benefit to evolution as a collateral right now to betters? You know, for example, Penn National, 
has seen a lot of growth from that Barstool acquisition and DraftKings and FanDuel and stuff like that. Right now, Evolution, if I'm correct, does not do sports betting, but a lot of the companies they work with are getting a lot of, you know, surge in customers doing sports betting, and then they can come to those, you know, casino products. Does that make sense or am I off base there? Yeah, no, they, uh, I mean, they are partners with DraftKings and FanDuel, but just to make sure I clarify, it is this is more traditional casino gambling, yeah, not yeah. sports betting. It's like I'm playing poker, or blackjack, or roulette, and that's it's like you're in a casino, not uh, not just betting on games. Yeah, but the so thing, yeah, they don't but, have that yet. I think some, yeah, they they could in the future. They don't have that as a current product, uh, but I think a lot of people think that if all these bettors are coming onto these properties to bet on sports, eventually they'll move over to some of the other casino products. Uh, but next we got management. So Ian, you want to take it away? Yep. So as Ryan mentioned, Jens von Barr uh, is the co-founder, uh, president, former CEO. He's also the current chairman of the board. But in 2016, this guy named Martin Carlson took over as CEO. Uh, the stock's almost up almost 2,000% since he took over. So pretty pretty impressive run. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it had only been public for a little bit before he took over. But um, if nothing else, it, he, he has done a good job. It's uh, no, no shareholders, I would imagine, are unhappy with him. Um, he talks in interviews about wanting to quote, be the best company in the world. Uh, but he also kind of stresses the importance of staying humble. They're not there yet, all this type of stuff, but he really is committed to excellence. And that's something that I'm kind of, I really like hearing CEOs talk about excellence being great and just whether it's operationally or in their vision um, that they just really want to be the best. And so he seems to have some big dreams some big vision and he's been executing on it well so far. So we'll see. Um, how it goes from here, but I'm pretty, pretty interested in kind of following the CEO and hearing more from him. There's about 10% insider ownership in the company. Most of that is from members of the board and independent uh, directors, basically. Um, and then about 39% institutional ownership. So um, quite a bit of uh, ownership by the public out here. And so still some kind of you know, we might see some more institutions jump in. BlackRock has a little small position. Vanguard has a small position. All the kind of typical typical names are um, at least have their eye on this one. So uh, something that's that's on the radar. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, nothing, uh, I don't know. The I see nothing crazy on that insider ownership. Seems pretty standard. Yeah, I mean, when management does talk about customer focus and stuff like that, that can always be a good sign. You got to hope they actually execute. It seems like evolution is going out with the growth they've seen. Yeah, and I would also add, so I watched a pretty long, the I think it was the CEO, he tried to do one of those like Steve Jobs like presentations, you know, where they like yeah. have the lights shining down and they always talk really slowly. But uh, <laughs> he, he, he did seem very focused on innovation and kind of not resting on the laurels. I know they have... As far as new games they've released, they've been sort of at the forefront of that. I think they released 12 in uh, 2019 and then 9 in 2018. And they've just like kind of been innovating at a much quicker pace than uh, a lot of these other live casino operators. Yeah, I mean, their product, uh, their product launches have been quite impressive. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll get into the valuation. Just hit this quick. Ticker in the U.S. is going to be EVVTY if you're going to buy this on the OGC markets because it is listed in Europe. Uh, enterprise value is about $27.2 billion at the time of recording, but 
Uh, so it's going to be about a week away from when you're listening to this. So the stock's a, a bit volatile. So make sure to check and update these numbers. EV to sales is about 40. However, their profit margins are really, really strong, which Ryan won't get into next. So their EV to operating income, while still high, isn't insane. It's about 75. And then EV to operating cash flow is similar to that. So 75 is very, very high. But with their profit margins, it shows that they're likely not you know, they're pretty far off from what their probably terminal sales multiple will be, but they're not as far as a company that is doing, you know, 40% gross margins when uh, what Ryan, you're going to the earnings next, they do what's 50% plus profit margins. They do. Yeah. So uh, also, if you're seeing, you, you mentioned the ticker EVVTY, um, the popular ticker is EVO. So if you're on Twitter, that's, pro- that's, that's what's what, being referenced. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, they are really profitable probably one of the most profitable businesses i've ever looked at um but so their their 2020 revenue was 682 million up 53 percent year over year um and europe accounts for about 60 percent of that revenue asia is like 24 percent and north america is smaller but it also doubled year over year because we're seeing it's it's sort of becoming destigmatized in america or at least across the states um and then they had 364.4 million in operating profit that was growing 90% year over year. So their operating margins were about 53% and that's been increasing rather quickly. Um, and a lot of the people that are bullish about the company talk a ton about scalability and the more operators they sign on, it's just, they don't have to add tables to add customers. So that's kind of the benefit of their scale. Like you can just, as you have more customers, the tables become more valuable. Um, And so, yeah, operating margins, 53%, net margins, 51%. That was up about 90% year over year. Um, And then 51% of that net profit gets paid out in dividends to shareholders. Uh, And then they acquired net ent, which became effective December 1st for 2.7 billion all in stock, which I don't mind if you're trading at, you know, 70 or 80 times operating income, use that stock as currency. Uh, and then diluted share count increased 7%, but all that really was attributed to the net end acquisition. If, uh, if you backed that out, I think it was, it was obviously much lower, but it, it was not above anywhere like 5%. Um, and then, I thought an interesting note here, they record the value of customer relationships, the value of software and the value of their brand all on the balance sheet. I don't know if that's a formality that they have to do. Uh, I I ignore that, I get right? Yeah, I I, I don't think they were, I think they were doing it because they have to, but Um, I guess you can touch on it in balance sheet and liquidity. Yep. So before diving into that, I'll I'll hit the high level stuff first. So we've got about 270 million uh, dollars that's in us dollars. Um, you want to check that. Um, I think their currency, like their market cap sometimes is listed in, uh, uh, Norwegian right. dollars, maybe no, and Swedish, Swedish, right? Swedish. I don't know what I it's think called. It's, I thought it was euros on the, or no, euros, it's yeah. euros on the, so it's on the balance sheet and like their, um, financial statements and stuff. It looks to be euros, but I think whatever, um, like their market cap is listed because I think we said they were in Norway um, is where they uh, listed on the first exchange. So anyways, you just want to check out the currency stuff because the currencies are a little bit different. So anyways, in us dollars, it's $270 million uh, in cash. Um, No, what I would consider true debt, but about $61 million in leases. 
Uh, so big net cash position. Um, and one interesting note about the leases is this kind of indicates to us that they don't actually own their studios. They lease them out, which helps keep the model a little bit um, less capital intensive. They don't have to buy big studios and all that type of stuff. They probably get tenant improvements too. And so um, don't have to spend a whole lot of money uh, into improving the studios or things of that nature. They probably get some help from their uh, landlords. But anyways, um, they've got a lot of goodwill, as Ryan just mentioned, um, related to the acquisitions, about 60% of assets are, is related to basically this most recent acquisition. So keep an eye on that. It can, you know, if the acquisition doesn't pan out, that can be a hit to earnings, all that type of stuff. But, um, it, you know, at the, at the rate they're growing and they're excited about the acquisition, it should be fine, but something to be aware of, um, as far as the uh, value of customer relationships, value of software, all the brand and stuff, it seems like, um, Sometimes uh, these types of companies, especially when they're making big acquisitions and they're trying to raise money, they'll include stuff like that so that they can get, um, that basically serves as more collateral for the, or not collateral, but more um, what they would consider real value that they can show to the banks or uh, be a part of these types of acquisitions. Just that there's probably some value there. We don't really care about it as investors in terms of like dollar amounts on the balance sheet, but for people who are more um, financers and, uh, helping do some of these M&A deals, uh, having some sort of number value on some of those relationships are, uh, you know, it, it helps get the deals done. <laughs> yeah, I guess with our goodwill too, uh, you can tell if they start writing it down, it's not going to impact the cash they're generating, but it'll show if the net end, is it called net end? And yeah. yeah, N-E-T-E-N-T. Net end, kind of a weird name, but, uh, oh, entertainment. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, if that shows if they're writing goodwill down, it shows that the acquisition isn't working out like they thought. Right. And it just it, it shows that it's not working out as they thought. And some investors who care more about things like PE ratios, I know that's so old old fashioned today. Um, sales, that'll yeah. drag down things like earnings, drag down those types of things. So um, like you said, not a cash expense. And so it's not um, you know, not concerning in terms of liquidity or their ability to run their business or anything like that, but it can it can spook investors. Yeah, I appreciate the attempt uh, at at valuing the intangibles, but it's I mean it's like impossible to quantify. So it feels like they they have to know the customer or in, shareholders are like we don't care. Yeah, as an investor, I I really just gloss over that stuff. It's kind of like adjusted EBITDA. You just just kind of go just ignore it. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's it for the first half. We're gonna take a break and then hit competitive advantages, future growth ops, and Highlights and lowlights. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? (sighs) All blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Welcome back. Next up, we have competitive advantages. But during the break, we had some yeah. Ryan wanted to make a point or correction. I, I, I just, I was just reminded of this. But uh, Ian, you touched on the studios part because that's really their lease uh, liabilities. And I believe I saw somewhere that um, in the U.S., you have to have the studio. The studio has to be in the same state that it's been legalized in i think that's true yeah so um 
I wouldn't be surprised if they were a little picky in where they chose to lease out studios in the States, because if they're not going to get a big enough market share in certain States, or it's not going to be worth the ROI, uh, I'm not sure they'd want to open a studio. But anyway, I just thought that was worth throwing out there. All right. Competitive advantages now, Ian, what do you got? Yep. So I think one of their main competitive advantages is their existing infrastructure of these studios and the employees there, the dealers or, um, whatever type of live employees they have. Uh, many of the, the innovative players in this gambling space, the sports space or the uh, gaming space, they're trying to stay pretty asset light. And Evolution has figured out a way to kind of do that while still, um, you know, by leasing out these facilities. But they still have this huge expense for all the um, employees of these places. And so it is a bit of a big investment to build out the studio network. And like Ryan was saying, um, even further to this point is that it you it, in the U.S. having to um, have a studio in the state where you're um, where the gaming is happening and where it's legalized actually makes it pretty difficult to build a big network. And so just they have a little bit of a head start there on a lot of people. So having this existing studio, I think, provides at least a short term competitive advantage. All right, Ryan, what do you got? Uh, mine's the proprietary games. So, uh, Monopoly Live is one. And then if you go to their investor relations page, they list out all their games. Uh, and I think they say which ones are proprietary, but, um, some of Evolution's most popular games belong solely to them. So that Monopoly Live is a really big one. I saw that, like I was looking over YouTube videos and people were like, a lot of people were sort of fanatic about that one. And so that kind of presents a problem for the operators. So if Penn National Gaming has all the, and maybe they're a bad example, but uh, if someone's got all these customers that are using that operator to play the online games um, and they're big into Monopoly Live, and then whoever that uh, operator is decides to switch to a different live casino and they can't offer Monopoly Live, it's really not that hard for a customer to say, okay, whatever, I'll just go to 888 Casino or whatever and so that I can yeah. play that game. Like it's, I mean, you just, it's almost a commodity service in that regard uh, as from the operator side. Because it's really not that hard to churn or switch between apps. Yeah, that is true. That is true. The Monop- yeah, the Monopoly Live. The only pushback would be that it doesn't seem like, and I haven't seen the game, it doesn't seem like a game that's that easy to build something that's similar, but no one really has yet. So it's like, all right, I mean, someone could create a copy of plenty of games. Maybe there's some sort of brand there. Yeah, I and there's, know, but- I would say there's also a lot of them. It goes beyond just Monopoly Live. So I think being on the forefront of adding those new proprietary games is going to be big as well. Yeah, that could be, that could be. Um, mine, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm not getting it, but I couldn't find any I thought were that strong. I mean, the economies of scale makes sense to a point, but there are a lot of competitors out there. Maybe Evolution just has the best management, the best product offerings, but I don't think that's a competitive advantage. You know, it makes them a good business. Um, I mean, they probably have high switching costs, and the, the scale, is, you know, the scale thing is there. There is some upfront investment, especially through all the states. I, I don't know. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of the bull cases kind of right around the competitive advantages. I, I didn't really, I don't know. Maybe I need I, to read more. I really didn't think they were that strong. The business looks great, but I don't know if the fund, like the actual business model gives them anything unique, you know, because there's a lot of competitors out there. Yeah, but I think the... Uh, 
sort of com it's like the cash app uh the combination of all the unique features because there are these smaller unique features they have all the proprietary games i do think people start to get accustomed to a certain dealer um which belong to evolution gaming the, these a lot of this stuff is what alta fox had on their report as well um and sort of all of those just give more reason for the operator to re-up their contract with evolution so it's not necessarily mm -hmm. always the end user and how they interact with it but how much does the operator need uh, evolution? Yeah. I think those kind of combine to make it pretty necessary to use them. Um, well, the thing, but, I mean, I don't know, maybe they have the best offering. I don't know, it just seems, it's not like there's anything, I mean, it's copyable, maybe it's, it feels like maybe I'm making like that, oh, Google can just enter that tech, you know, thing, argument. So maybe that, the, you know, maybe I'm thinking that it's too copyable you know, you know what I mean? When people are like, well, Google will just copy that or Facebook will just copy that. Maybe I'm making that argument too like quickly. Uh, so I could be wrong. But Ian, Ian what, do you, what do you have? Anything else on competitive advantages? I think you're right that there's some questions about whether they really have strong competitive advantages because like you said, there's some pieces of it seem fairly copyable. Um, I think some of the things that Ryan's brought up, like the relationships with the dealer or... Um, some of those more kind of personalized things do provide some competitive advantage, but I don't think it's, this isn't a business I look at and go, wow, look at this incredible moat they have, right? I think they've got a little bit of a head start, but more of a head start than a moat necessarily. No, it doesn't make it a bad investment or a bad business. Like their execution has been phenomenal. Yeah. I'd also add that the, uh, it might be a rising tide that lifts all boats. You know, the, the switch from land-based to online if you're deliberating over moat between one or the other and they, they all end up benefiting from that tailwind, it might not matter that much. Yeah, true. Very yeah. true. Uh, next up is future growth opportunities. Ian, what do you have? Yep. So the, the way I'm kind of thinking about this is they have this existing uh, network of studios and relationships with the, uh, with the casinos and with these, their customers. And so, with the rise, particularly in the US of sports gambling, it seems like they should have the opportunity to do some sort of live sports gambling offerings and that they have this advantage against some of the other players, like we talked about uh, Fubo a couple months back. Um, the It seems like Evolution with all these studios, they could do some sort of live sports gambling shows or be going through like the different types of prop bets that you might see or um, talking about you know, even jumping between, you know, the end of games, saying live in-game bets, kind of being able to like guide people through the experience a little bit. Because I think one of the things about sports gambling that some people like is kind of that community feel of it. And especially with COVID right now, there hasn't been the, you know, you can't go to the, you know, bar in Vegas or the casino and make your live sports bets and all that type of stuff. And so ways to do that virtually, um, I think is probably an opportunity and it seems like lots of people are trying to kind of get into that market. And it seems like they have a little bit of an advantage here having studios and having talent that knows how to engage people um, digitally. So anyways, kind of, I don't, I don't know that there's any movement on that front, but it'll be interesting to see if they go in that direction at all. Yeah, I am. It feels like that's a logical next step. I'm just curious sort of how that would play out. And if there's any friction between them doing that being that they're partnered with a lot of those big sports betting uh companies companies who already have their own apps but they can bring the technology in there if the app right if they could if just like they developed the monopoly live game if they could somehow get some people who are actually 
Well, and Barstool is doing it kind of like with, uh, you know, personalities like Big Cat and Dave and all sorts of people. Like if they could actually develop their own personalities in Evolution Gaming and license out um, their show, basically. Um, and whether that and, and, you know, you could license it out to these casinos who could then, you know, in, include their own betting platform, but using their show to kind of drive bets. I don't know. I think there may be some sort of opportunity there for some live talent. Yeah, I was, I was skeptical when we were reading or uh, looking into Fubo about their claims of getting into sports betting and all that stuff because there's that rights issue and no one's going to Fubo when it's kind of a commodity product. You really got to have the personalities there. But if anyone is going to power the back end of that, it seems like it would wait. I would think it would be Evolution Gaming instead of Fubo. Although I don't know if that idea is really that sound in general. No. All right, Ryan, what do you got? Uh, for me, it's going to be secondhand content, and I'm not exactly sure how this would be monetized, but it feels a little bit like... So there are... I looked up YouTube videos of people essentially interacting with the Evolution live casinos, and it's like these popular gamblers, and they have thousands of followers. Um, so a little bit like video gaming in that sense, how they can get a big crowd behind their gambling... Um, so whether it's Twitch or YouTube, or I don't know what else people use these days, finding a way to maybe monetize that or partnering with them, because I feel like that's going to be a big avenue and a place where a lot of people go. Um, I never thought a lot of people would watch other people play video games, but I could see now that I've watched that play out, I could see people watching other people gamble. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's tough to see how evolution would monetize that, but I think they could figure something out. Yeah. Ian. Do, do do you think that there'd be opportunities for them to do something um, kind of like, I think what we've seen with skills too, like do some of these types of tournaments or if they have these personalities on their platform, even if that aspect of it is free, is that then they can say, look at these big sports gamblers who have these big followings or whatever type of gambling it is and actually run sorts of um, live shows of like a little bit of maybe the the new version of like a world series of poker or something like that right <laughs> instead of all these kind of random poker players it becomes the people who have these large followings because they're entertaining because they're good for whatever reason and that they might be able to become a little bit more of a media company in that sense i don't know if that's something they're interested in but might be one way to monetize that idea that's yeah, interesting it's interesting all right i'll hit mine um I took the easy one. All the daily fantasy and sports betting apps in the U.S. seem to be expanding to casinos, and they're all using Evolution's product suite. Uh, FanDuel is a recent announcement they had in the fall. They are getting whatever. They're doing some sort of casino that is going to be an expansion of their daily fantasy and sports betting app. Uh, I don't know if it's a separate app. I don't know anything about FanDuel, but that just shows that there should be a continued tailwind in the U.S. over the next decade if they can keep providing to these operators because, I mean, how many sports or sorry, how many states have actually like opened for sports betting? It's got to be less than yeah. 10, right? Michigan just did, right? And yeah, a lot of people are legalizing, but it takes a while to actually get the gambling going. I know Evolution mentioned that they were going to build or lace out a suite in Michigan. I don't know if that stalled out, but uh, yeah, you're right. I'm just wondering if how useful it is because it kind of diminishes the ROI per table if you have to build or if you have to lease out a studio in every state. But like if it's a big state, yeah, if got it's, a big metropolitan area. If it's worth it, you know, 
I'm sure Vegas is a pretty big market or something, you know, Nevada, stuff like that. So most states, yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe if, if the market share is there, then why not? But yeah. All right. Uh, anything else on future growth opportunities or should we hit highlights on all likes? Okay. Ian, what do you, what do you like? What do you not like about evolution? Yeah. So I like the CEO. I like uh, that the industry seems to be moving in the right direction. Should be double digit Kager growth for the next few years, particularly in the U.S., um, potentially a little bit of insulation from competitors, just based on the fact that um, they do have these studios, they have a little bit of expertise, like we've talked about, probably not a super strong competitive advantage, but at least a head start against um, some people. Um, for the low lights, I kind of worry, I wonder, are some of these big casino operators going to take market share by doing it all in-house? They have all these huge existing facilities, um, it seems like it wouldn't be that hard to start building out some studios within those facilities. And they have, they already have relationships with dealers that they could find their best dealers and start doing digital tables. So um, I'm a little bit worried about that. And then also the regulatory environment, this depends on this, these trends moving the right direction in the U S and if something were to happen, I don't know what it'd be. It seems like it's an unstoppable train, but you are at a little bit of regulatory risk that things don't play out exactly as the market's anticipating here. I'll tell a story, uh, some anecdotal evidence that I don't know if this will make, this will probably make people bullish on evolution gaming, but I was with friends and we were doing, I, I assume it was powered by evolution. Uh, they had some online roulette thing. I'll say as a value investor, I wasn't playing because uh, that would violate uh, whatever. <laughs> wait, 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 what state, what state was it? Well, they were in Washington, but they were using like a VPN or whatever. Oh, okay. I won't use their, I won't say who it is to get them in trouble, but uh, yeah, so they're, the roulette thing that's powered by these, you know, video, whatever, it's kind of live. It's not just the digital click a button and see it. It is a lot better, uh, but man, was it highly addictive for these people. And they were losing a lot of money, which is going to evolution gaming. But yeah. we can, I think we need to be reminded of Robin Hood, uh, who is getting into trouble for doing something similar. It's a uh, sin stock. Uh, you could categorize it as a sin stock. Yeah, I'm not sure whether evolution will get in trouble because they're the, just the back end. Uh, I don't know. And then what, another thing with Ian's point, I do think that, you know, people might get like a big uh, casino, like what MGM or something might get uh, complainy and say like, why are we giving 10% evolution? But if the product's good enough, I don't know. But yeah, Ryan, do you want to hit your highlights on the lights? Or? Yeah, I think uh, the more that I read up on it, the more uh, scalable the business felt. Um, they do, I mean, they do have, and I know this was also from that Alta Fox report, but uh, they have sort of that Netflix effect where when they introduce new games because of all the players that they have, those new games become more fruitful and it's more it's worth the innovation. Um, and then also the the fact that they're not confined to the typical table parameters of a traditional casino. And then there's also just the big sort of macro industry tailwind of land-based switching to online. Um, so all those are kind of my highlights and then low lights for me, you're right. I'm not sure how much the studio is, the studio aspect is copyable. Um, and then, yeah, I guess potentially regu re regulatory problems. I don't know. I didn't have that many low lights, I guess, sin stock, the fact that maybe it's not great to encourage everyone to gamble and it's making it really, really easy. Yeah. It's using like, it's using like the Facebook level, you know, tricks to get people to 
I'll tell you, I won't say the amount of money people were losing, but I'm telling you, these people our age broke losing too much money. And like, I don't know about that ends well. So. Yeah, but it's, uh, that's money. It's an, inevit- that it's an inevitability, right? I mean, people yeah. gamble all the time. Everyone's always gambled. That's the way. Yeah. And I'd say I'd be, I'm fine. Like I know complaints, but when it's Facebook like stuff and it has that, you know, manipulation aspect, people do not like that. Regulators don't like that at all. Yeah, I guess the the only thing evolution is changing is the barriers of you don't have to go to the casino in order That's to throw true. your money That's out. It I guess just it's gets a little easier on your mobile phone. Yeah, I guess it's not that much different than a regular casino. It's really not. <laughs> so yeah. those have lasted forever. Yeah. Uh, what What about you? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Margins are great. Management cares about the you know correct margins. They're not. They're talking about cash flow and stuff like that and operating margins, which we like. The returning capital shareholders, although at this valuation that dividend returns, you know, aren't that meaningful. Um, and the value proposition is there for their customers and the huge tailwind in the U.S. should continue. You know, it feels a bit like a picks and shovels play as many casinos seem to be entering this crowded space. I wouldn't want to bet on any, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, Penn, or whoever, all those Caesars, MGM. I don't think I would have any idea who's going to win that. But Evolution, if they're powering all these people, that I mean, they're gonna, you know, basically be a monopoly in that. Uh, low lights. Uh, the only question that I kind of had were was was twenty twenty an artificially strong operating environment because of COVID, and was the land grab with all these digital casinos sustainable? I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely a question worth. Yeah, the the COVID bump is definitely a question worth asking because how eager are some of these people to get back into the casino? Yeah, I mean that could potentially hurt them for sure. Yeah. Um, but I was, yeah, on the margins part, I think they said they, uh, I think I saw somewhere that they wanted 70% EBITDA margins. That was their goal. Well, I think I, that's, we say sin stocks, that's just as good as chewing tobacco. Chewing tobacco is at 72%. So <laughs> there'll be a competition between who's going to have better ones. Ian, Ian, anything else on highlights and lowlights? Yeah, I was just going to mention one last thing. If you look at their returns on equity historically and their returns on capital and returns on assets, everything is super high returns. They do a good job of really, um, you know, they're in the double digits at time, you know, before they made this acquisition, they were up at, I think, 60% returns on capital. So um, pretty incredible stuff. So definitely a stock that they're focused on generating shareholder value. Yeah, the, yeah. And the more I think about the, the casino comparison where I was kind of afraid of the regulators. Um, I can already hear people that are evolution bulls saying like, I don't understand how that works because it's the same as a casino, but you have to ask yourself what regulators care about, you know, like there's a reason they're not going after casinos in Las Vegas and they're going after Robinhood and Facebook because it looks good politically. You have to ask yourself, do these, you know, online casinos, are they going to go through the same thing? But it is the, uh, it's the, casinos it's the operators that have yeah. to that endure that regulatory scrutiny and not the back end yeah well FanDuel gets shut down i mean they're not gonna get if FanDuel's whatever like little part if they get into trouble that's you know evolution's not getting that take rate yeah yeah it just, won't, evolution's brand probably won't come to the forefront but right yeah. the casino yeah the casinos are sort of the face of the problem yeah yeah. But yeah, more, can, more or less interested. Um, Ian, yeah, you can go first. What do you think? <laughs> I'll say I'm equally as interested. I We've been talking about the sin stock aspect earlier, and I, I tend to 
stay away from things that I feel like are making money off of other people's mistakes. Now, that's obviously a gray area and you could probably argue um, that some of the stocks in my portfolio were really making money off people's mistakes as well, even you know buying the latest version of the iPhone or things like that. But yeah. I think this is an opportunity, this is a situation like you're describing with these guys, you know, um, people can lose a lot of money really fast that can't really afford to lose money. And it makes me a little uncomfortable to be profiting off of a stock that's doing that. That being said, I think this company has a really intriguing and compelling business model and having, having that take rate, not, not the downside exposure of the casinos. And, um, you know, there, I, I think it's a compelling business, but just not in uh, a space that I'm interested in. All right, Ryan. Yeah. I think most people could probably tell I am, uh, optimistic about it. Uh, the economics of the business are really exciting to not have the downside, but to have that upside and to have that take rate along with the three-year contracts is it's exciting to me and there's obviously the uh tailwind behind it so i'm just gonna leave it at that i'm optimistic i I like it more interested yeah i'd say i'm more interested business model looks great i was pushing back just to kind of get some of the you know what do they call that what's that i'm I'm losing the term i don't know just internally scrutinized yeah just to scrutinize just to scrutinize for the show but the business model is fantastic i'm not afraid of investing in sin stocks if anyone listens to the show, they know that we own Altria Group, so that's not a concern. I would just be, you know, no one's going after cigarette makers. Yeah. They go after like vaping operators, if that's kind of the comparison you want to make. And but valuation is concerned to me. Yeah, and the, um, the valuation is, you know, sales multiples aren't made equal when you have obviously. Mm-hmm. So when you don't take the sales multiple at face value, thirty-nine times sales when they, if they ever get to seventy percent margins, is a lot better than some of the other ones at 40 times sales. Yeah. But you have to think, I mean, what are they going to trade? I don't know, 15, 17 times sales. Still a lot of growth priced in at maturity. And that just, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot more research you probably have to do before investing. A lot checks out. Probably have to watch management a bit, but I'm definitely, definitely more interested. Okay. That's going to do it. Ian, you have anything else? Okay. All right. Well, we got the stock for next week. It's my oh, turn yeah. and we are going to be doing Revolve Group. Favorite one of mine. Okay. Uh, stock's actually been on fire lately. So we all know that shit, stocks that have gone up recently do better. Uh, we get more listens on. So we're going to hack it that way. Uh, okay. But it's an interesting company. It's kind of like an online Macy's in a way. Uh, they sell like fashion apparel to mainly women and uh, like millennial women. So, okay. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Make sure to Use our promo code CCM at checkout to get $10 off your first month at 7investing. Remember, Ryan and I are general partners at Arch Capital. Arch Capital may hold securities discussed on this podcast. We are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you on our next episode.